0: I was talking to some friends from high school. I was in my 20s. And someone we had known, um, they were strung out on dope. And I i was talking shit. I was like, how could you do that to your kids? You know, yeah. you could never do that. And fast forward 10 years, and I was I was full, like, drinking daily, abusing prescription medications, and strung out. On meth. Thank God for my parents. Like, they they op- they came and took the kids. You know, they said the kids are gonna stay with us for a while. Finally, in December, my parents and my family like arranged for an intervention. Um, mm-hmm. And they came, they all came to my house. They pleaded with me to get help. You know, so my best thinking is like, I. I'll go after the holidays and that's the holidays do I even don't, I don't even remember those holidays, you know Yeah, I'm like, I'm not gonna leave my kids during the holidays when I hadn't even I wasn't even seeing them daily
1: Welcome to into action brought to you by touchstone recovery center this week. We have sarah ella Brot. Sarah has worked at touchstone now for two years as of two weeks ago um, Sarah is a woman in recovery She's a friend of mine. I'm um, good friends with her husband, Kenny, and I'm um, happy to have her on. So, um, how are you?
0: Doing well. Thank you. Yeah? Thanks for having me.
1: Glad you finally came on. Yeah. I, I've asked her five times, and the fifth time is a charm, I yeah. guess. So, yeah. Um, well, as you know, like typically we talk about the way that um, addiction has impacted our life, mm-hmm. and whether it's you know, our families impacting us when we're kids or the way that um, we navigated our own addiction. So I don't know much about when you were younger, when you were yeah. a kid. Um, what what were your experiences like with alcoholism and addiction, like growing up?
0: Well, overall, like when I sit back and look at the big picture, like I had a great childhood. Um, I had two parents that were always there for me. You know, we lived upper middle class. Um, they always provided. Um, it was a safe home. Mm -hmm. I didn't have the experience of, like, parents using or drinking. Mm -hmm. Um, So really, like, not even um, aunts and uncles or anything like that. Like, it was not something that was always around. So um, really, it came about, like, through staying at friends' houses and partying and whatnot like that. But I really didn't um, grow up, like, learning or thinking that that was normal.
1: Huh. You, yeah that's um i know that's not well i guess growing up without it around is considered to be like the right way right but right so many people that we work with and that we deal with on a day-to-day here at work that's not their experience right. you know we we see it at a really young age and often mm-hmm. and that like becomes our normal so that sounds like you did have a really good childhood
0: yeah and that uh, to be honest like when i the more people I meet in recovery and to hear their experiences growing up, it mm-hmm. really proves to me how good I had it. You yeah know? So. for sure I think
1: you know I think I had it really good too. I have good parents I just I know that they um, you know used alcohol quite a bit when I was growing up and um, to excess in some cases in a lot of cases, and you know i I don't know if, if that impacted me or like influenced the way that that I used alcohol. Yeah. I, it just made me associate like fun with booze, you know. Like, yeah, I'm, if I'm gonna party and have a good time with my friends, obviously I need to drink out of that bottle because that's what I've always, right. you know, seen yeah. people do. But so you said that you um, started using or hanging around people that were using at friends' house. So I'm assuming that's like high school age.
0: Um. Well, no, I like the friends Younger? I was hanging out with, really like popular crowd, right? So, mm-hmm. um. The friends I was hanging out with, we would drink starting in junior high. Okay. And looking back now, like, <clears throat> I can see that I I immediately liked the way I felt. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times there's mental health mixed in with addiction. And I know for me, like, not wanting to feel my feelings for whatever reason that might be. Sure. It, that was, like, that felt the best to me, yeah. was, was not feeling, you know.
1: Yeah, I think that's normal. Mm-hmm. We're self-medicating, Right. right. Um, so in in junior high you started drinking, did it progress? Like what what did high school look like?
0: Um, high school was I, I stressed my parents out a lot, <laughs> <laughs> you know. My um, my sister, I have an older sister. She she really didn't go out much, and if she did, she wasn't crazy, you know. Um, I lied all the time because they you know they tried to do their part by giving me. Um, curfews or wanting to make sure there' was parents wherever I was going so I would lie mm-hmm. and really end up at some party out in the country or whatever right so and where was this where did you grow in up. Okay. <laughs> okay. And so it's a small um like AG town yeah but that's like parties out the country yeah <laughs> so I lied a lot um I went out I was always at places on the weekends that I I never reported I would be um and I you know it was full of drinking I mean it wasn't constant to where it was. It got into like schoolwork or athletics or anything like mm-hmm. that. But when the weekends came, you know, I I went all out.
1: Found a found a way to le, like let your guard down. Right. Yeah. Have so. a good time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's funny how I mean I grew up in a similar town, but we used to find the weirdest places to like get away from parents and drink. <laughs> yeah. Like we had these places. One of them was called Cutfoot. And it was a it was like in the middle of a field, a ditch in the middle of a field. There was nothing around. I don't know how we came up with that spot. Yeah. And then there was like the oak tree Mm -hmm. and the the water tower and all these like remote spots (laughs) where we would all mob on the weekend or on a weeknight and like, you know, just cause hell and get really drunk and then we'd all drive home. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. Partying
0: in the middle of a cornfield. Like it's just Brilliant. Yeah, but driving home, for sure, that was, you know, I one time um, I had hit, like, I don't know what I ran over. Who knows? But I drove the car home on a flat tire, so the rims completely messed up, and my dad's like, what happened? And I think I said I hit the curb or something, and he's Mm -hmm. like, no, I can see the exact dent where you actually hit something. Yeah. He knew I would not give up. Like, I just kept going with a lie. Like, I just kept going deeper and deeper, and... (laughs) <laughs> Looking back, I'm like, "It's so ridiculous yeah. and so dangerous," you know.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. We used to not get in very much trouble for driving drunk, you know, and I mean, unless obviously something really bad happened. But I mean, nowadays you just—they don't mess around. Yeah. You get thrown in jail. You get a big fine. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's no joke, which is a good thing. I mean, driving drunk. I, I have friends who have killed people, and you know, I know people who've lost loved ones because of it so I'm, I'm glad i was never a part of like an accident or anything like that but i damn it's i'm just lucky yeah. you know just lucky that i wasn't yeah me too so you continued to drink in high school did drugs ever come into the picture like marijuana um, cocaine i never got, like got that?
0: into marijuana um when i got out of high school i did try to go to college like I came to Fresno for a little over a year. Um, I started at Fresno City. Mm-hmm. I did a few different things. I went to school for court reporting. Um, I ended up moving back home and working as a waitress at um, uh, well, at one of the restaurants in Chowchilla. And mm-hmm. cocaine entered the scene then. It's and funny how... about 19.
1: It's like cocaine and <clears throat> restaurants, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I worked at a few also. And it seemed like every waiter or waitress was doing cocaine. Yeah. It was in the '90s, but
0: uh. well, what's what's alarming to me is my my willingness to try anything um, because it's my first night working there, and I'm working with some friends, and um, I go back in the kitchen area, and there's cocaine, and I'm told that's for you, and I don't even ask questions like, who did it come from? Yeah. What is it? <laughs> like anything? You know? Yeah. I'm just I just do it, and um, You know, I really enjoyed the feeling from it. So it became, so my my pride and ego, like when I got into my addiction, it almost killed me. But it also inhibited me from being willing to ask people for drugs. Like I didn't want to be the person that was asking for drugs. So Mm. I only did drugs when it was around. But when I was at work, it was around a lot. So, you know.
1: So did it become like a daily habit at that time when you um, were, so I'm assuming you were 19, 20. Right. You're yeah. Working. So
0: it was like four to five days a week, anytime I was working. So four to five mm-hmm. days a week, um, I was dating someone that hated, hated it, hated drugs in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so you hate it? yeah, I'm like, I'm not high, you know, I'm so high, <laughs> Yeah. but yeah, it's I, not I, easy I just, to hard.
1: St- it, it's not um, easy to hide stimulants. Yeah.
0: No, I didn't know that. Yeah. But, Um, yeah, it just, I, I lost a lot of weight, you know, um, I could have, I didn't, it didn't take me to my bottom, like, I could have gone south really fast, and, um, I ended up about a year into that, I got pregnant with my daughter. Oh, So, um, like, being a mom, and, and, you know, I did things a little backwards, I, you know, I had the dream of marriage and successful, like, home life and stuff like that, but, I, I got pregnant with my daughter, and being a mom was very important to me. Sure. Um, a lot of times I see an addiction, like <clears throat> certain certain things that are very important to us, like that can be a Band-Aid for a certain amount of time. Yeah. But, you know, if the addiction goes untreated, it'll, it will usually comes back. Sure. You know, so yeah. um, being a mom and raising my kids, that really... I stayed put. Like I, I was not drinking. I would drink like maybe a couple times a year, mm-hmm. um, but no, no drinking or no uh, drugging or anything like that, um, for about seven years. Okay, I did well.
1: Got it. So yeah. when you were when you were using cocaine, like before you got pregnant, did you typically drink with it or?
0: Mm-hmm. Was, yeah, for sure. Yeah. It started with alcohol. Always, you know. Yeah, yeah.
1: they always go hand in hand. Yeah. It seems like like Juan was on last month and. I know I could relate to his story a lot because he, he said pretty much every time he would drink, then he'd start doing cocaine. And yeah. yeah it, I never really separated the, the two when I was using either. Mm-hmm. If I was drinking, I'd usually do some type of stimulant. It was usually
0: cocaine. Right, but, yeah. And, it, you know, you let your guard down. But yeah, for sure. One of the best metaphors I have for that is um, I remember going out with my girlfriends. It's wintertime. And they're like, Why are you going to wear a tank top? It's freezing. I said, I'm going to be drunk. I won't even feel how cold I am. It's <laughs> the same thing. Like, you yeah. know, that's when we start asking for drugs. Yep. We don't care because we're.
1: Yeah. We start calling the person we promised we'd never call again. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you went seven years without using, um, just occasionally drinking, mm-hmm. just being a mom. Yeah. And then um, as you. Like obviously, you got back into it at some point. Mm-hmm. What what did that look like?
0: Um, so I something you know, my I feel like I I went to like very gradually into this depression, mm-hmm. um, and
1: untreated addiction.
0: Yeah, it was just it was I don't know. Like I just felt like daily I was getting lower and lower. Like. Um, I wanted to like I became a recluse. I I never wanted to go out anymore. Like when I say out, I mean like to see my family or extended family. Anything. I just wanted to stay in. Yeah. And um, I was very depressed because, you know, I my relationship status wasn't what I wanted or wasn't didn't meet my ex- expectations, my mm-hmm. dream, whatever. Sure. Like that. Not everyone's dreams come true, right? Um, but I, for whatever reason, like to me that that was a huge impact. Um, I wasn't living in the house I wanted to live in. I didn't have the status that I want, you know, always wanted. And that had such a huge effect on me. And I also religiously like God is my higher power. And I, for like, I had built a huge resentment against them. Yeah. So I felt like I was being punished. Like I was never going to get the life I wanted. Um, and I did, I started drinking, day drinking, you know, drinking every day after work. Um, I started taking alcohol to work. It's, I worked at a state prison, so that's a felony, you know. Yeah. Um, and then I, I went to a doctor, got prescribed um, anxiety medication Xanax or yeah. something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I quickly started mixing the two. Um, That's
1: blackout uh, medicine. Yeah. Yeah. There's,
0: I regret it, but there's like, there's a Christmas that I don't even remember. I don't know what I got my kids for Christmas. I'm sure my parents saved the day, Mm -hmm. you know, and handled it, but I don't, I do not remember Christmas of 2018. I don't, I just don't.
1: Um, You're not the only one. (laughs) I I know during the holidays, um, the holidays are coming up for us and- During the holidays it was like one of the worst times of the year for me because, you know, you had to pretend Mm -hmm. and I had to pretend like I had my shit together and I didn't for a long time. And then, you know, it was tough to have, it was tough to go those few weeks away from either work or school or whatever we were doing at that time. Because, I mean, for me, like I was away from my connect Mm -hmm. and -hmm. it was hard for me to get what I needed to stay well and... Like, those were really rough, rough times, yeah. the holiday season. And yeah. usually um, a lot of, for a lot of people, this was mm-hmm. true for me before I got into like opiates, was like, you know, all your buddies come home from, from wherever they live now, you know, from out of town or from college, and we'd all go get just blackout drunk at the bars mm-hmm. and get into all kinds of trouble. Yeah. The holidays mm-hmm. were, I, that's, I think that's probably when I got myself in the most trouble. Yeah. Is like Thanksgiving and Christmas. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's often it's common for a lot of people, yeah. um, especially the small towns, for some reason. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> um, a bunch of hicks like, <laughs> like to go get drunk.
0: I remember I was I was just sharing with someone that um, I was talking to some friends from high school. I was in my twenties, and someone we had known um, they were strung out on dope and i I was talking shit, I was like, "How could you do that to your kids? You know, yeah, I could never do that and fast forward ten years and i was I was full like drinking daily, abusing prescription medications, and strung out on meth, yeah, um I used meth daily for two years, um, every day? day, mhm, um. Yeah. I started at age 30, I think, or 31, and it took me, I mean, to me, that's fast. It took me down fast. Yeah, for um, sure. That's, two years. That's not, You know, I um, thank God for my parents, like, they, they, op- they came and took the kids, you know, they said the kids are going to stay with us for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and f- I'm just like, you know, I tried to put up a fight because I'm in denial that I'm a drug addict or sure. that it's that bad. And, um, I isolated in my house by myself for like two months, it seems like, I think for maybe like the end of October all the way up to early December.
1: Did you, were uh, you working?
0: I was, well, I kept calling in, so, okay. um, I still had my job at the prison, but I, w- I was calling in more than I was showing up, um. So that's uh, that's when I was, like, really bad. I just—I wouldn't even leave my house, you know. Um, finally, in December, my parents and my family, like, arranged for an intervention. Um, mm-hmm. And they came, they all came to my house. They pleaded with me to get help, you know. So my best thinking is, like, I— I'll go after the holidays, and that's the holidays. That I don't even—I don't even remember those holidays, you know. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not going to leave my kids during the holidays when I hadn't even—I wasn't even seeing them daily. Yeah, it's you know?
1: hard to accept. I'm, I mean, I think our all of us our first reaction <clears throat> when someone says you need to go get help is, "F you." Yeah. You know? I'm fine.
0: Well, so in my sick mind, like I know during those couple of months that I isolated, um, I was like. Like I said, I had become resentful with God, mm-hmm. and I was so mad because no one was coming to help me or check on me. But anytime someone offered me help with my family, I would say, I would say no. Yeah. That's when I say my pride and ego almost killed me. Yeah, yeah. Like, you, you need help. Ways. No, I don't. Like Get away. You know? Yep. Yeah.
1: So you ended up going to treatment? Um,
0: In January of 19. Okay. January
1: yeah. of 19. Where'd you go?
0: I went to First Steps for 45 days. Okay. Um... I went for my family and I went to get off the drugs because alcohol wasn't my problem. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We hear that all the time, don't (laughs) we? Yeah. Alcohol is not my problem. (laughs) It's just the cocaine or it's just the Mm -hmm. Mm methamphetamines. Yeah. Um, It sucks how we have to watch people like learn the hard way on that one. Right. Because, I mean, well, some people actually take suggestion and, you know, they, they change the behavior, but... The ones that don't, usually the ones that hold on to alcohol. I'm trying to think of someone who who this doesn't apply to, and I can't. Yeah. But the ones that hold on to it usually end up back.
0: Yeah, they have to. You just know they have to see it for themselves. Yep. Right.
1: Yeah. So you went to First Steps. You were an inpatient for 45 days. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a long time. Mm -hmm. That's that's cool that they were able to keep you that long. Um,
0: Well, I you know I did inpatient. I stayed in their house up the hill for 45 days. So inpatient and PHP. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think once I was actually PHP status, I was just staying in their house up there. Mm -hmm. That was only for like seven days or something. Okay. So um, that was... So when I did learn some things, you know, obviously I I wasn't ready to stop. Um, But I did learn. It's crazy that I didn't realize this, but I was in group one day and... I had finally learned that I, I was putting drugs before my kids. And I was like adamant, like the whole like, first 20 days, I'm like, I never did that. I never did that. And then finally, this counselor like, went face to face with me. I went down this checklist and she's like, Yes, you did. It's literally yeah. on the paper. And so that was shocking to me, believe yeah. it or not. Like, you know,
1: I, I struggle with that too. Like, I, I mean, I didn't have kids when I was in my addiction and i I think sometimes, like because I mean we have a lot a lot of the people that come through touchstone had they have kids yeah. and they're struggling with alcohol or drugs or both, and i I always th- think to myself, like, you know, if I would have had my kids earlier,
0: mm-hmm.
1: would I have stopped? The answer is no, yeah. like i I know the answer is no, I didn't yeah. stop for anything, like I wouldn't stop if I got caught red handed, I wouldn't stop if I had. Legal like consequences. Mm-hmm. I didn't stop because I lost my job. I didn't stop because my parents were fed up and like didn't want to talk to me. There like nothing made me stop. Right. So like I, I I understand like because I I sometimes I trick myself and I think I would have stopped. Right. Like I wouldn't do that to my kids. That's bullshit. Right. I, I, when you're in your addiction, you don't you don't yeah. like you're not trying to <clears throat> neglect your kids. It's just it happens. It's like one of the, it's, it's one of the effects yeah. that, that we have in active addiction. Yeah. But.
0: So I came to terms with that, which, so that is, I mean, it was, I did learn a few things, you know, um, but I just wasn't ready. So straight out of, as soon as my parents picked me up, I mean, I was, I picked up a bottle of vodka, like probably within the first couple of days. Yeah. My dad, I was staying with my parents. So while I was at at inpatient, um, I had neglected paying all my bills and everything. So while I was at inpatient, my dad um, moved everything into a storage unit for me. And then I moved in with my parents. Mm -hmm. Um, So I came out of inpatient to my parents' house. My dad's like, why do you have this? It was like in my purse because he moved my purse and it was really heavy. So he saw, he looked in it. and It was a bottle of vodka. I'm like... It's fine. I'm fine. You know, totally rude and just giving him attitude. Like, how dare you question me? You yeah. know, <laughs> like the alcohol wasn't so, my problem. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I start, I used meth. I started using meth again, like within probably three weeks. Um, it wasn't like as full blown. Mm-hmm. Um, it You're would trying have, to hide it. it. would have, it would have, yeah. yeah. I w- it would have gotten there, but um, as bad as it was, you know, it used to be, it would have gotten there. No doubt. But my mom had it. She'd put her foot down. She's like, your kids are in this house. Like, you got to get out. Um, my dad, he was like the last one to... It was hard for him to, like, be like my mom was. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't want to kick me out. Yeah. I know it hurt him. When um, when he finally came to terms and had to say it to me, you know, like, you got to leave. Yeah. Um, I know that was hard for him because... I could just tell. So, um. <clears throat> anyway, I ended up going to my time. I mm-hmm. got a um, scholarship there. They they had started a for outpatient. Scotty had started. Um, he started doing age specific groups. So, yeah. like for thirty and over, um, he wanted that to be the PMIOP um, group. And he's like, "Yeah, tell her she can start coming. The night groups is starting next week." Um, and thank God for that. I mean, I stayed at my time for eight months. <laughs> That's cool. Eight months. I drove, I drove from Chowchilla to Fresno. Um, I didn't make it in IOP. I graduated up to PHP for a little bit mm-hmm. cause I you know, couldn't stop using. So, yeah. but I stayed in PHP for five months, um, and did IOP for three. So they kept me for a long time and I'm grateful because I learned I learned a lot there you know yeah Um, met a lot of people yeah I mean the recovery community in Fresno was amazing I met so many friends there um, and just the staff like the the friends that I met there like they're some of my best friends today you know Um, yeah including my husband (laughs) you know it's just I'm blessed for that experience um I still would have some slips with alcohol, though. Mm-hmm. Um, I was sober more days than I was not um, for the from 19 to my sobriety date in 2021. Okay. Um, but I would have some slips with alcohol. Sometimes they would last like a few days and then I'd, I'd stop or, you know, but for whatever reason, like... I was untreated with... What I mean by that is like no step work. I still had a thinking problem. Yeah. Um, my way of thinking was still wrong. I still had these... A slew of resentments that like kept me bitter and angry. And the way... The reason I was where I was in life was because of everybody else's decisions, you know? And sure. not mine. And so um, I just kept... Every time I got like so uncomfortable in my own head, I would go, you know, by buy a pint or something you know yeah um and i i had started praying again and i prayed you know i was asking like am i really just that bad of a person that i can just keep lying to everybody i love and it doesn't affect me like why do i not feel bad Mm -hmm. um and like i feel like he answered my prayers because like shortly after that i went into the deepest depression i'd ever been in but like it was a good thing because I needed to change, you know yeah. um, I was desperate for change. So I I had prayed to God, you know, I promised to do to try to live his will. To, I said I'd get honest with my alumni group, you know about my sobriety date. Um, I promised to do everything I could to, to do it right. And that's when I, I chose to stop drinking once and for all. And that was February 2nd of 2021. Um, the next, I think it was the next couple of days, I did go to my alumni group and I was honest about my sobriety date. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I was, I spoke at a speaker meeting at Fresno Fellowship, a Saturday night speaker meeting. It's a huge meeting. Yeah. When I supposedly had like a year and three months. And, and I did had... No. I don't know how much time I had. It was, you know. Not so long. So I was... Yeah. I was a liar. <laughs> you know, I, I did that same
1: stuff. Like, you know, I I think a lot of us do when we first are trying like once we started like telling the truth and admitting, mm-hmm. "Hey, I slipped up," or mm-hmm. like actually telling our sobriety date. That that's when that's when the change actually happens in my opinion. Yeah. Like honesty is a is a big thing for me in my recovery, and that started with like being honest about how weak I was and like how I don't have my shit together mm-hmm. and um, about my, the mistakes that I just made, Yeah, you know? And I I think that's a big red flag that we see a lot working in treatment is like these little tiny lies, like the little things that you catch them. Right. Like all the time. Right. And it's, it still amazes me. Maybe it's cause I, I look like a, like a square or something, <laughs> but like, it amazes me like how a lot of the guys in the sober living or not a lot but sometimes a guy in a sober in the sober livings or a new a client will like try to try to tell me that some dumb excuse like mm-hmm. you know i was dirty on that drug test because i, f- I found a baggie and it yeah. must have got <laughs> on my skin or i've
0: heard that one y- you yeah. know
1: like all these all uh-huh. these it's i just know <laughs> I don't, I don't have to like point it out. But I just know he's not ready. You know, that person's not ready. They can't be honest yet. So, you know, give them time, pray for them, give them some love, maybe they'll, they'll be ready in a week or two. Yeah, you know, yeah. But yeah, that was, I was gonna ask you that when you when you said you were um, going to meetings, but you still kind of had a slip every now and again, I was was gonna ask if you admitted it. Yeah. Well, once you did, it seems like it's worked out pretty damn well.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, well, I didn't start. So I I work in AA program. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, things went well. Like I started, I like I said, I was honest with everyone. I started going to more meetings again because that was like when COVID was bad, mm-hmm. um, and the kids were home school for the time being. Sure. And you know, I I just I wasn't going to meetings very often. So I um, I started going to meetings again, hanging out with my girlfriends that are in recovery. Um, and I was really on it, but I wasn't like, I didn't have a sponsor Yeah, and I wasn't working any kind of 12 step to better myself and, and better my, my way of thinking. Um, but I did that for 10 months, you know, I think Um, you
1: started working the steps when we, when we started working together, right? Yeah. So So I remember you got a sponsor and then you started working the steps like while you were at Touchstone. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's. So I, I feel like I was blessed like, because I was honestly—I'm not perfect at it, but I was honestly trying to do what God wants me to do with mm-hmm. my life. Um, so that guided me. I, felt, I feel like I was actually guided to be where I was at that time, like, you know, meeting all of you and meeting Alan, who suggested my sponsor. I, I had no idea who she was, but Alan had known a little bit about me, and he knew— Gina very well. Sure. So, um, he suggested that I call her. Um, so this is ten minutes, ten mi- months into my sobriety. Yeah. Um, my I'm starting to get like restless and irritable, and you know. Yep. So, I call her, and um, she asked me some questions, and I started working with her, and it's like she was like the best fit for me. You know, she was like her. Our stories are so similar, but she had you know, 10 years of sobriety on me. but mm-hmm. um, and Does she since, have a sponsor? She has a sponsor, yeah. It's important. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, she's just... She has a sponsor that has a sponsor, and she... Um, I don't know. She just, like... She just put so much love into me and just really, like, really wanted me to do well for me and my kids, you know? Yep. Um, And I just... I was amazed at how how working the steps could really help me because I I never thought of taking ownership for for where I was in life or some of the feelings, you know, um, I never even knew that I didn't have to feel the way I was feeling like I didn't realize holding on to really old resentments was going to, you know, bring me down later on into my adulthood, you know. Yeah. um. learning to live in acceptance too is just it's a it's a whole new level of like happiness
1: sure i think it's it's um really i always say this without getting myself in trouble (laughs) when you work a program and like you've gone through the steps and you like live it like you you are in a program of recovery um specifically the 12 step program, like, I think we communicate differently. And then like, we're able to take ownership of like our side of the street pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. You know, and I mean, sometimes it takes longer than than it should. Mm -hmm. But usually we get there and we're like, you know what, I did this wrong. And during that interaction that we just had, I, I messed up. And this is why and, you know, talking to someone that that like, takes ownership of their mistakes, mm-hmm. it's it's like, it's a relief, man, yeah, especially like in a work environment where, you know, sometimes people are pretty opinionated and we have like, you know, we have an agenda and we have things that we need to get done, but like just just working with a bunch of people, I think that's why we do such a good job here of like, we all, we just don't have staff turnover right. and we, we all yeah. show up to work every day mm-hmm. and we care and it's because we're, the vast majority of us, over 90% of us are working a program, yeah. you know? And it, it just makes it that much easier to, co- to communicate. When a person isn't, it's the conversation's different, uh-huh. you know? It, it changes. Um, and then I like what you said about, like, acceptance. I also feel like, uh, in addition to that, like, gratitude. Like, just being coming from a place of gratitude and knowing, like all the things that we have today that we should be thankful for, like right. those are important things. Yeah. Like, and all these wants that we have, like, I want this, I want that. That's that's just getting in the way, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I, a lot of times I just feel like having gratitude is really important. At, at least for me, um, it kind of checks me mm-hmm. sometimes because I'll, I'll start having all these wants and needs and ambitions okay. and then, I just remember, dude. Just remember how bad you had it? Right. Like you yeah. should be happy right now.
0: Yeah. I um when I first so that when I first got sober it was February of 2021. Um I was still feeling kind of shitty, like down in the dumps. Um still kind of irritable but feeling positive for the change that I knew was going to happen, you sure. know. Um when I was thinking one day, or maybe I read something, I don't know, but all I know is that I was like, I should be grateful that I. oh, I know, I was applying for jobs everywhere and I couldn't get one, so I was just like, really down in the dumps, and I was like, I should be grateful, like my parents, I'm living at their house, but they they don't have to let me live there, you know, Um, they're not asking me for money, like I should be grateful, I have so many things, I'm not I know I want a job. I, I want to be um a productive member of society, but it's just not my time right now, you know? Sure. So I when I started um having like an attitude of gratitude, um, I don't know, it just got better for me.
1: And you probably got a job shortly thereafter, I would think.
0: Um, it took some time, but I well, I started like part time driving for Touchstone like a few months later. So Yeah, I remember. <laughs> yeah.
1: I remember that you were our first official driver. Yeah. I think,
0: and yeah. cramming um, like four full size men in my little Chevy Cruze—that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: I don't. Yeah, I think we'd probably get in trouble for that <laughs> these days. Um, now we are about to hire our fourth. You started a trend. Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, so. I mean, you've already mentioned, but I, usually I, I like to hear, like, how you stay sober today. You've, you've kind of told us, like, you work a program, you go to meetings, you have a sponsor. Um, how else do you stay sober? Like, is there anything else that you have in your routine that is, like, essential?
0: Well, I would say, I just want to say that it's easy, like, especially a parent with no matter what age their kids are. You can get busy with the life. You know, the life responsibilities that can potentially take you away from um, your recovery that that also needs to have attention daily, if not sure. multiple times a day. So yeah. if I ever get taken away from going to meetings, if my meeting attendance gets low for like a couple weeks straight, I feel it. I just I, I can get into being discontent and irritable again, you know, yeah. because I still have an alcoholic brain. Um, and I get reminded, like, Sarah, you, you still need meetings. Like, you still need to go see your recovery community and hear sure. um, in the meetings or tell the newcomer why you're there or hear from the newcomer why you don't want to go back to that spot, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, I, I do have to stay connected at... I feel like for me, I'm lucky because I working here, like working here only, and not working a program that won't do it for me. Yeah, me but working here helps um, because my coworkers, like you said, we're in, you guys are working in recovery too. You have your twelve step program, um, like you guys are my friends. Um, so it's it's just I feel like God like surrounded me with. With like this recovery bubble, (laughs) you know, where I can, I can, I can get my, um, my fill almost every day, you know, um, if I feel like it's, I need more, you know, I do what I can. Like we, when I say we, I mean, me and Kenny, like we'll speak whenever we've been asked, you know, Mm -hmm. um, that helps too, like sharing how bad it was, um, so that I don't forget. Um, yep. Yeah. I just do what I can, okay.
1: you know. Yeah, um, what would you? What advice would you give to someone who is looking for a change like, and is stuck in their addiction?
0: Um, so I feel like a lot of the excuses, or not excuses, that, but reasons that someone.
1: My dad used to tell me there's no difference between a reason and an excuse. Oh, okay, well, so it just sounded do it. Better, That's what he
0: yeah. <laughs> Well, a lot of reasons I've heard for. Um, like saying, I can't, you know, I can't commit to that or, you know, I can't make this change because it's usually something with their home life or home responsibilities. Yeah, um, other priorities. Yeah, so, but there's a chapter in the AA book that anyone can relate to no matter what program you work, and it's the, the family afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that chapter, it talks about how our families my you know they're not going to understand why they've been waiting for us to get sober and now that we're sober we're spending less time at home and more time with our new family which is our recovery community you know mm-hmm. um but the reason for that is because we have to like we have to stay connected to our our recovery and spend more time there or otherwise we will go back to drinking sure um so I feel like if everybody read that <laughs> and understood it or read it to their family members and they understood it, then the support would be there, you know. And a lot of the reasons we have for not committing to change mm-hmm. could really just not not yeah. be an issue.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. It's like a vicious circle. You know, a lot of people won't commit to detox or residential or even therapy like because they don't, I can't do that. I have yeah. I have to watch my my kid, right. or I have a dog, or yeah. <laughs> you know my my mom yeah. needs my help at at mm-hmm. she's she's ninety and she needs my help and right. um, I always think like th- you're no good to them right now. You're right. no good to them. As I mean, a matter of fact, you're probably harmful to them. Yeah. Like I know I was. Right. You know when For I was sure. running amok, no one wanted to be around me. Mm-hmm. Hell, I, I didn't even want to be around me. Right. You know? So. Um, something
0: else I, I just remembered, like, I always believed, or I was certain, like, everything seemed impossible. Any type of change seemed impossible. It was impossible for me to get out of the, like, wanting drugs mm-hmm. or wa- not wanting to feel my feelings. Um, it was impossible for me to have the a happy life that I, you know, that I wanted. Um, it was impossible for me to... Like, be a woman of God. Like, it was just, all of that seemed impossible. Like, I had already ruined it all. Um, and now that I'm in recovery, and I just, nothing feels impossible. Like, yeah. whatever battles I have, like, I can voice it to those that I have in my life. And, like, I don't go through anything alone anymore.
1: Yep. Yeah, we don't have to. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for being on this this month. Um, I'm glad you finally came on. <laughs> Me you too. have a really touching story. And uh, I know I've told you this before, but like, the family here would not even be close to the same without you. And thank we you. love you. Thank you, Nolan. Thanks, Sarah.